How can God move in the changes over years of short trips and long partnerships? We're going to talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 205 with Brian Thompson. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to believe that we are already on episode 205. I can't believe it's been that long that we've been out here. Thanks so much for joining us. We provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about short-term missions, family commitments, and productivity. And of course, there's going to be a little bit more than that as well. I'm also going to have for you at the end a book recommendation that you might want to check out. I would like to welcome Jeff, who recently liked our Facebook page. So, Jeff, if you're listening, welcome. It's great to have that connection. And for for the rest of you, if you're interested, visit facebook.com slash engaging missions for a way to connect. Sometimes I'm able to share things there that I don't necessarily share in the show or in the email newsletter. Before we get into today's interview, I also want to mention that we are in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. This is a ministry that provides resources for the global body of Christ to reach Muslims with the love of Jesus. If you're interested in finding out more about Global Initiative or the fundraiser that we're doing, I would I would encourage you to visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16. That's engagingmissions.com slash fund and then the number 16. One more time, thanks so much for being here. You are going to absolutely love our time together with Brian Thompson. All right. I am so excited today to be with you and to share Brian Thompson's story with you. He's with Simply the Story and StoryForAll.com. He has an amazing podcast there where he shares some of the things that are going on with his ministry and some of the travels that he makes. He does make short-term trips all over the world. And recently he's been in Africa. He has some ups, upcoming trips going into Guatemala. It's just going to be a great time to connect with him. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really looking forward to this, Brian. Well, thank you. This is going to be an absolutely, this is absolutely my pleasure. So as we kick this off, we've been talking a little bit about short-term missions in, in this series. And I'm wondering, as you think over your life and your ministry, you've been involved in a lot of short trips. What are some of the ways that you've seen short-term missions trips make a positive impact in people's lives? I thoroughly believe that one of my friends used to joke. He was actually a roommate of mine on a, on a mercy ship at the Anastasis some years ago. And he used to joke that if he was God, he, he would have required that everyone would have two steps to salvation. One would be trusting in Jesus, but the other one would be getting a passport. He felt like <laughs> going out into missions, especially in young, mid-teens, late teens, it just has a transforming effect. And quite often it does more in the one who's going than in, in where they're going to. But also you can, with some strategy and a lot of prayer, you can really see some very constructive things happen also on the field for, for, uh, but through the work that these missionaries, these short-term missionaries do. And we've had plenty of experience in that. I actually used to be involved in a ministry that was sending short-termers all over the world, and we taught them how to do church planting in a short-term mission trip. And we even included, did that. Personally, I was involved in one of those efforts in Mexico where we planted a church in, in of 60 people in three days and a three-day outreach. And then a year later, that church had multiplied 
to well it had grown to a hundred people. So wow. we, we began to teach people some of the things involved in this. That was done by a team that actually there were forty five people on the team, and only my daughter was twelve. Me and one Mexican who was helping me staff it. We were the only three who spoke Spanish, and yet we began. We saw a church planted for sixty people. <laughs> so it's just—it was an amazing time. But you know, it was God at work. A little bit of strategy, and just pointing our people, saying that's what we're going to do. We're going to go down, not just do a bunch of evangelism all over the place and try and win individuals to Christ. We want to see whole households come to Christ and a church planted, and that's that's what He did. Man, that is amazing. I don't know that I've ever heard a story like that where a short trip like that with a handful of people and only a couple of them who actually spoke Spanish actually were able to, to, to well, I don't want to say accomplish, but be part of that. If, yeah. As you're looking back, you, you mentioned that there was definitely God's involvement in that and, and some other pieces. Do you, do, you, do you think there was anything specific about your approach or about how, how God had you prepare for that that may have played into that? I think part of it was, yeah, I, I, we really, I'm, I, I cannot underestimate the whole thing of face down, on your face before God. That is, that's where it starts, where it start, where we began. But a lot of it was, you know, changing the expectations of the team that was going down there, teaching them basic things like what is church, what does church do, what it, what does church look like, the whole thing of how to make disciples in a way that multiplies out rather than bringing people, individuals that we win to Jesus out of their context into my setting, which is kind of hybrid for them. It's it's un, un, unsettling. It's uncomfortable for them. We thought we encouraged and trained these young people in how to build church around the people who were showing interest in Christ, so that, that, that essentially they would be reaching their families and we would build church through that rather than have them come into our church as such, our house group. So uh, that was part of it. The other part was a very practical thing in just asking the hosting church of the, of the outreach, which was down in Mexico, hey, is there a part of city of the city where you live that some people come in quite far from a, a distant suburb and they come to the you know to your church from there, and is there a leader type in that group? Would you be interested in planting a church in the area from which they come that's linked to your mother church? And they responded, yes, we would. And yes, we do have a leader that's that, that comes from that area, a leader type. So we said, okay, well then place us as a team in that area. We're not going to do open airs. We're not going to do any drama and, and the normal stuff that a lot of teams he was used to receiving would, would do. We're just going to go in and live amongst these folks, tell them Bible stories, reach out to them, serve them. You know, in Like cleaning the schoolyard was one of the things we did, painting the school at certain points as well. And then the actually the, the, t- the team was broken up into eight churches rather than eight small groups. We prayed over that the, each of the churches in this outreach team I'm talking about. We prayed over elders who were, instead of them being the, the small team leaders, we made them elders of the church. And they would basically, we taught them how what, what church looked like for about six weeks before we went on outreach. 
and they just carried on doing it for six weeks over the period of as they got ready for the outreach. And then when we went down there, we just did more of the same. And they went door to door. It was kind of crazy. We went door to door by churches. So you had six to eight people <laughs> going round doors instead of, you know, two. But they were in the area where we had been serving all day. So when the kids saw us who had seen us at school, they said, oh, these are the Americans that I was telling you about, mom and dad, that came mm. to school today. And so then the mom and dad would invite us in and then we would do stories and different ones were running around translating. And the key thing here was we identified who was living in that area from the mother church. And one of the requirements was those people, even if they didn't speak English and most of them didn't, had to be with our teams yeah, with our little churches, as it were, the little teams that were going around. They had to be with our teams all the time for the entire three days so that at the end of those three days, when our teams pulled out, you had local people who were there who knew the, the you know the people from their, their own neighborhood. And so it was when we pulled out, the structure went away, but these guys were still there to continue on the relationship. And the leader type guy was the one who eventually became the pastor. And I'm still friends with mm -hmm. him today and keep up with him in Facebook. So that's kind of a little bit, a little bit of strategy on site and a little bit of strategy in preparing a team, getting them ready what? for, hey, this is what we're going to do. And not we're just going to go down and make friends and have fun and play football. We're going to go down and leave a church behind. Wow, I, I love that, and I, I love the the fact that you had local people, the the people that actually lived there, involved in the actual ministry part of it, not as only recipients, but actually right. doing doing the work with you. As, as you think about that particular trip, I, I would suspect that sometimes there isn't the opportunity to have that kind of relationship on the front end where you can have that strategic relationship. How were you able to build that before you got there? I didn't actually know the pastor in the town. I was the, okay. the, the training leader for it, the overall leader for the, the outreach, though the actual day-to-day -day leader had never met the guy. The Mexican on our team was the one who did the phone calls. He phoned from where we were. We were actually living in Kansas City at the time. The, the team was based from there. And so he would phone from Kansas City and talk to the pastor and and relay some of the things that we had discussed as as a you know as, as a leadership team over over the outreach and he you know when I said to him talk to him about this and get this information find out if there's an area of the city where he wants to plant a church found out of those people there who would be leader types he did that came back not only with yes we have but he came back with names so we could pray for these people before we even got there Wow, that that's that's great. And, and as I think about that, you know, one of the, the one of the things about this particular series that we've talked about and a, a couple of times is the the value and the process of building relationships and building the kingdom while focusing on projects. Are, are you able to speak to some of your experiences with that kind of thing? Yes, I, I think that's. I mean, that's been some of the things that I'm actually involved in at the moment. A lot of it is I, I, have, I have multiple hats, as you mentioned there at the beginning. You mentioned at least two of them, yeah. but there's, there's, there's quite a few others. And I think s some of them are direct kingdom work, like simply the story, which is training people. Story for All with the, with the podcast is, is kingdom work too. But there are other things that are not so, and holding that together can be a challenge relating to 
complicated, sometimes family situations. My mother is 92. I'm the only child. I'm sort of, you know, when you're on the other side of the world, how do you deal with situations, crises at home? You know, those those sort of things, that, mm. that stuff that, that, that you constantly have to deal with. My main thing, my main verse through scripture basically has been that one thing that's, that's, that's guides me through this is, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And I think that to me is what is kingdom? I'm constantly looking for kingdom. And if I, if I'm finding blocks, if I'm finding things are going slow, if I'm finding there's not a flow of blessing in and around us as a family or around my life as such, uh, I'm, I'm asking those questions. Okay, am I, am, I off, am I off target here as regards kingdom and his righteousness? How about how my walk? How's my walk? Am I compromising? Is, are there areas of sin creeping in? Is, is the area of, of pride creeping in? Yeah, how's the righteousness as such? Pursuing those things, his kingdom, his righteousness, I find the things just get added together. Yes, there's some practical things. I'm also a bit of a productivity nerd, so I like to, I like to have lots of different things and that work together nicely from my iPhone to iPad and then back home to the desktop computer. You know, having it all synced together and, and knowing how to plan stuff and then how to how to adjust when things don't go so go as planned. All those things. How to how to keep email under control so it doesn't make you insane. <laughs> how to control your life in such a way so you mm. so you're creative and innovative that to me is important because some of, some of us are just constantly living in our inboxes living in that in that kind of overwhelmed place and we're no longer creative we're just constantly putting out fires and and so there's certain things that I do and that I apply in my life that help me maintain that you know that that creative flow as it were when I need it Wow, that, that's amazing. And you, you're definitely speaking to me because right now I'm totally struggling with keeping my email inboxes <laughs> nailed down. As you can attest to from our back and forth trying to get this booked, I wasn't super fast to respond. So I can also see how that that kind of thing impacts my ability to do what I, what I feel like God has called me to do. As you yeah. think about your experience with that kind of thing, what was it that led you down the path of being more productive? Is it just something that is natural to you or is it something that you went, Oh wait, this is something I need to focus on. It's a combination of both. Okay. I think I, I, I do have a very strong organizational side always have done. You know, I, I, I've my mother, one of the things that I really remember from my childhood that really stood out from me coming from a culture where this kind of, and from an age when this kind of thing was not necessarily done here where children would re, were really complimented, you know, positively for what they were they were doing. But I remember my my mother said to me one time. She saw me in my room. I laid. I was organizing something on paper that was to do with I don't know, probably something I was playing with. But I just had it all organized out on paper, and she noticed this, and she said to me, "Brian, you really have a gift." At putting things, of course, in those days, that's the way you did it. At really putting things down on paper in a very organized way and organizing things. <laughs> and I think that that's now distributed where I actually hate paper and I, I'm in the paperless world. Yeah. So I try to do that. But again, it's, it's a similar thing, how to move there. But I think, I think the reality of our world where information overload is a part of this information age. And not only that, 
we have this issue with the, what they call email creep, where email is getting greater and greater and greater, more and more of it is appearing either through spam, but even not just that, if you are fast to respond to your emails, then people mm-hmm. begin to expect fast responses. So how to deal with this email creep began to make me ask the question, okay, wait a minute here. What, what, you know, how I'm, I'm not as, I'm losing track here. I'm not able to hold things together and I refuse to call it age. <laughs> so I thought, no, wait a minute. There's, there's just this, there's new di- there's new dynamics here at work in our modern world. And all these things that have begun to make life easier, easier have also made it more fast and more cluttered with stuff. And so how do I handle that efficiently? How do I organize that? So I began to just search out. So the natural uh, gifting or the gifting that God had given me through just who I am became hungry for greater levels of productivity and greater levels of organization because I began, I would get fed up with, with the scattiness of, or disorganization that I was seeing in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So that, that made me search. And a lot of it was actually through searching on podcasts, searching on the web, finding organizations out there that actually do help people with areas of productivity and email, uh, dominating your email, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's not something we would normally think about in terms of missions or short-term missions, but I think it could be incredibly valuable. Have you seen that bear fruit in your life? Absolutely. I, I was recently at a, a particular conference in Holland that is designed to serve people who are moving very much in the digital and in the media, media world as regards missions. And I was asked if I would, by my boss, in SDS boss, I've got several yeah. She said to me, Brian, you know, you really need to give this away. You really are very good at handling this and doing that and doing the other. You need to teach people this. And I would suggest you teach it at that conference. So I just had, she, she sort of mentioned it to some of the people at the conference who were organizing it. I mentioned it to them in obedience to her. And I got this phenomenal response from the organizers. Hmm. And they said, when I, you know, when they began to, when I began to send in the description of what I was going to talk about, they said, oh, my goodness. I said, probably 75% of the conference will be at that. He said, I think probably 99% of the conference will probably need to hear what you're, what you're bringing in that area. And I think it really is, it really is a, a need. I think pastors are overwhelmed. You know, I think there's a tremendous dropout that's going on in pastors. I was reading some statistics recently about that, how pastors are, you know, are basically not they're just dropping out they're they're going i can't do this anymore and i think some of it is just the tremendous overwhelm and i think if if some practical things it really is life transforming i mean i'm meeting people who are being transformed by just putting certain things in place in their day-to-day certain things as they face email certain things as they face you know what are the thing what are the goals the life goals i have what are my daily projects you know, how are they lining up with those overall goals? And, and just how do I get that huge project that is just, I keep putting it off. I'm procrastinating. I don't have enough time. I'll do it mm-hmm. tomorrow. I'll do it next week. How do I, how do I bring that into bite-sized chunks so I can actually work through it over a period of time and surprisingly quickly? And there's little things like that, that, you know, I've learned and as I've done some research on this and also just as I began to pull in some of the things that I do in my own, my own walk, and I was sharing this at the conference and people came up to me afterwards and just said that, that it was 
it was absolutely transformative for them. So, you know, I, I do see that this is a, a huge need in, in, in certainly in the mission world. Wow, that that's great. So just just kind of to to be a little bit selfish, I guess, this is something that I struggle with. And I, I think that my major struggle is that my my desire or my vision is almost always available or almost always larger than the resources I have available, whether it's my own time or finances or anything like that. Do you find that that's a common challenge? Yes, I, I do. I mean, I think so. But I, I, a lot of the stuff for me, some of the things for me when I'm preparing when I'm thinking about productivity, when I'm thinking about de- dealing with these things, I- I'm actually looking for things that are low cost or free. I mean, there, there are things out there. People say that you've got free, you know, <laughs> it's free, so you kind of get what you pay for. That is that is true to a certain extent, but there's an awful lot of things out there that are that are free that are actually extremely valuable. And like your what you said to me about even your use of Zencaster, you know, things that actually you would like to invest into. With time, you go, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And I think that is something that that I I have begun to see as well, that, that, that there are tools out there. Yes, there's certain things that, hey, I will pay a bit of money for, even though I don't have income. <laughs> God provides for me to pay for because it is absolute. It's enabling me to do kingdom work without the stress that comes with just, you know, holding it all together. And am I forgetting a meeting? Am I forgetting, you know, uh, tasks or something? You know, stuff f- f- uh, falling between cracks and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, the, so I pay for a little, a few things, but a lot of stuff is just, it's not so much what you pay for. It's actually just learning certain skills. And when you put them into action, mm. it just, it helps you with what you've already got on your computer, you know, what you've already got in your life. Yeah. Wow, that that's great. So, bringing this back to to short term missions, we've talked about one particular trip that you took, where there was a pretty significant impact in terms of church planting. As you think about your history with making these trips, are are, are your trips typically similar to that? Are do you have a wide variety of of different mission trip types? What 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 does your portfolio look like, so to speak? At the moment, I'm most of my trips. I'm like the one I came off, just got back from on Saturday that those trips are equipping trips. I'm going out to equip saints, um, pastors, missionaries, evangelists, people on the field, uh, your average Joe or Josephine in, in church, you know, that those people who, who want to learn storytelling by means of outreach. I, I have seen the power of storytelling. That's, uh, I mentioned it. That's what we were doing in Mexico. That's, that's the way we shared the gospel in the homes and it's also the way we disciple people, who, who families who came to Christ. However, I, I've, I've seen that equipping people with story, just all sorts of things happen. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It, the Lord just breaks out. And you, I don't, I, I'm surprised by him doing things at certain times. All I'm doing is concentrating on trying to follow a prompt and tell a story and ask a few questions. And then something happens that's just, oh, my goodness. There it is again. God's doing something deep, you know, and it, it just it blesses me like crazy and is so amazing to me. So uh, most of the workshops, uh, so most of the trainings I'm doing now, the, the outreach is not in the question of we're going to, to church plant. It's more I'm serving. I'm going to these places where people are actually our church planters or their church workers or their business people 
whatever it is. And I'm basically giving them a tool, which we actually used on those outreaches before. But I'm giving them a tool and trying to show them how they can use it in any sphere, from house group to pulpit to prison to to work to a, a colleague who's having a hard day to uh, sitting at you know in, in Starbucks having a coffee with a total stranger to sitting some, beside someone on an airplane all those all those you know settings and many more showing people how to use bible story with discussion into that context uh, just to release the power of god into people's lives uh, that's great. And, and as you've been doing this, you mentioned that you were recently, I think, in, in Africa. And I think that I heard a couple of stories on your podcast as well, where you were sharing some of the things that happened there. When you think about these trips, are, are these relationships that you're developing over time? How, how does this work? How do you know where you're going to go and who you're going to work with? <laughs> it's actually, there are the relationships where people who've heard about you know, what, what happened in such and such a place and, hey, can you come and do it here too? You know, word of mouth is really big from a lot of the workshops that we do. A lot of people are just asking and really wanting to know, you know, where can, where'd you learn that stuff? And, you know, that, that happens. On the other side, it's been particularly, I've been past something where someone has written into the, to the work to, to simply the story and said, hey, we want to have training how can we do this? How do we get it? And I'm asked to go. So that kind of thing you know, takes place too. The other thing is that we've, we've specifically had people who we've just uh, approached in certain countries and said, hey, you know, we heard that you're interested in training or whatever. Would you be interested in having a workshop? You know, the connection for South Africa, that last trip, just to show you an example on it, it goes back a long time. The connection was that I happened to be in YWAM at one particular okay. time for six, 16 years. I worked on that ship. I mentioned the Anastasis. I was with Mercy Ships. And so I had this friendship with the president of Mercy Ships through that time. Then, you know, go down the road a little bit, and we have suddenly Mercy Ships coming in contact with STS and one of their people sort of, you know, goes through a workshop, comes back, is so transformed. He tells someone else who also goes through a workshop. Then the president of the ministry sees her deliver a story presentation. He's deeply impacted by it and says he wants this to be entirely through Mercy Ships. So then I hear about it. I'm invited to be a part of it because Mercy Ships, like YWAM, is a different sort of I was going to say animal, but that's a, 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 in, in a kind way, <laughs> uh, in a very kind way. It's just a different kind of, you know, in many ways, they, they, they operate similar. And I spent 16 years in that network, and a lot of people I work with are not used to that and kind of it can drive them nuts sometimes working with certain organizations, YWAM included. And so they, you know, they said to me, hey, Brian, would you like to, to be involved? And I said, I was absolutely thrilled to, to be able to go back to my old mission and, and be a part of that and serve them in this way was super. So I did that, went to Madagascar, went to Congo, trained up 119 Congolese who worked on the ships while they were in Congo. Then I went to Madagascar to train crew and also local Malagasy people. And one of the people on the crew that I trained was from Nigeria, who's married to a South African, and they moved back to South Africa and said, hey, Brian, we'd love to have this workshop. 
amongst uh, basically Bushmen, uh, village people in the bush in, in the south, in the eastern Cape of South Africa, would you come and help? So, I mean, that's, it's just a sort of a series of networks. My links with YWAM, my links in different parts of the world, my links with, you know, through Story for All and now through STS, they just provide more workshops than I can handle. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's a a pretty incredible, I I could barely follow that, all those different links and and all (laughs) the different ways that God, that God did that. So as I'm thinking about the missions trip, you know, one of the things that I sometimes hear is that going on a trip to a different context, it really kind of upsets the apple cart, so to speak, or kind of sets everything different. You've shared a little bit about how you try to take productivity with you and how you're trying to, you know, continue to remain faithful in all of the different spheres that God's called you. But but I've also heard that there's sometimes a, a significant advantage to being out of your element, so to speak. Have you, what are some of the ways that you've seen God move that are different from what would happen if you were at home? There's definitely areas where different parts of the world, there's different expectation. That's one area where you have, for instance, if I were to describe this, if I go to India, if I go to different parts of Africa, uh, even certain parts of Central America, when I was there, we were just involved in telling stories and you're looking at the Bible stories. These people are looking at them sometimes for the first time, or they're looking at them in depth for the first time, mm. and they are impacted by it, and they go, oh, my goodness, my life. They start talking, thinking about their life, their situation. And if we're talking about healings, then they're expecting that God will heal. If there mm. are, there's certain things of deliverance, they're expecting God to deliver in this situation in the village or this situation around them. And there's just a, a, there's, that's what I mean by the, the local expectations. Sometimes we go there and people... They see the word, they hear the story, and they go, right, okay, well, God can do it for me, and he does. And so that's, you know, we see tremendous response there. I think I have an advantage at times coming in as the white boy into certain parts Mm. of Africa, and, you know, I'm not being sort of cruel about it or anything, but it's just basically that's it. Sometimes I come in as the white boy, and they're they're expecting me to bring something. So I've got a little bit of more of a status and, and a little bit more of respect right from the start. Other times I've come in and it's not exactly that way. They're kind of going, oh, this is the white boy. What, you know, what, what, what are they going to bring? And mm. there's a resistance. But I think then when they see the genuine thing to me is, is when, if, they can, if they can see and feel the love of God through you, they're going to open their hearts. And we saw this in South Africa, you know, in situated complicated settings where we had some white people from a city coming and being with village black guys. And some of the things that were just local national problems that go way back, immersed in apartheid uh, history, mm. some of that was coming to the surface. And yet we just went in. And that was that was the second point I want to bring, not just the expectation, but the other the other point is going in and realizing, hey, I'm not just going to go cross culture and become all that they are. Yes, I am in a biblical sense, but there's certain things in their culture that are not biblical, and therefore mm-hmm. I'm going to be I'm going to be biblical culture in that context. So I'm going to do things that I would never do at home because it's not culturally acceptable that is culturally acceptable in the place where I'm going to, but not where I come from. But on other sides, the way of looking at it, I'm not going to do certain things 
that are not biblical. And sometimes it comes smack in the face of the local culture. You are presenting a biblical culture that comes, you know, that, that offends in some ways. And I'm not scared to do that. And I think at certain times, you know, as we see this happening in the, in the, in the, the workshops, as people come into training, into, into stories, we're actually looking objectively out at a story that's in neither of our cultures and we're meeting God and encountering them there. And I've seen him melt people who had a certain cultural understanding. They suddenly realize, oh, my goodness, this is not biblical. And they've been able to see it in the story rather than have me preach it at them. Hmm. And we've had some very funny. I mean, have I got time to tell you a, a brief story here about something from Africa? Oh, I yeah. Know. Maybe I shouldn't ask please you Please do. We're live. You can't, yeah, you can't do anything else but say yes. But, but in some ways, it's we, we had a situation where – we were doing a workshop in Africa, and we came into this setting where missionaries for years had been preaching, you need to put away those amulets. You need to get rid of those those fetishes in your life. And they'd been preaching for years and, and, and so forth. And the local people, believers, they kind of were holding on to them. They just weren't getting rid of them. And we were doing this workshop, this training going on, and, and somebody was doing a five-minute story. We were showing people how to do a Bible story with discussion in five minutes. And we took them into a story in Genesis 35, where it's, it's where God calls Jacob to go back to Bethel. Bethel was where he met God. It was that famous Jacob's ladder story. And, you know, Jacob's response was to tell his family, okay, well, you know, get your clothes cleaned, get cleaned up and uh, bring the idols, by the way, that we need to, you know, bring me those idols. And so when he when they brought the idols, you're kind of reading the story and you'd expect him to destroy them, burn them, get rid of them. But it says in the scripture that, you know, Jacob, when they brought the idols in their hands and the earrings in their ears, which obviously were offensive, otherwise they wouldn't have done it. They brought those things and Jacob took them. And it says in the scripture, he hid them under the or the terebinth tree at Shechem. And we were just discussing with this group of Africans. Does that sound like, you know, what do you think about that? Why that whole thing of of of, of them, him hiding them under under a tree, the tree, at Shechem. Does that sound like he's marking the spot or something? And I mean, I'm sort of asking it sort of in a leading way, but we were asking mm -hmm. much slower, and people were discovering. Oh my goodness. They're hiding. He's hiding it so he could go back to them. But it's wrong. He shouldn't be doing that, etc., etc. They saw all this in the story. And while they were just discussing this, this various thing, one of the pastors gets up and said, I need to leave. And he, he, we, we were, they were basically the people who were leading the workshop said, well, why do you need to leave? He says, well, I need to repent. Because I've got all these fetishes and, and amulets in my life. And, you know, as if it's like, just in case... It doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work, or I wow. need them again. And he says, "I need to. I need to repent." And so he went away. And then slowly, different ones got up. And one guy who was a, a leader of denomination got up and said, "I've been encouraging pastors to keep uh, to not let the people get rid of their family fetishes and amulets, but just in case they need them again." And and he repented. Anyway, the, the long story short is that they had a, a bit of a bonfire. The guys went away and got all these fetishes and burned them up. And that was the result of a, of a workshop. At the, end of the, at the end of this time, when these missionaries came up and saw this, they said, what is with you guys? We've been preaching at them for 20-something years, 
And you guys come in and do a five minute story and they just, and they start burning <laughs> up every, you know, and putting their lives right with God. And that was, that to me is what I'm saying that people are seeing. You know, we can come in and preach at them from our cultural point of view, even if it's biblical. We're saying the Bible says this, you need to give that up. You shouldn't have those in your life. But unless it's unless they meet with God and see it themselves in the Scripture, somehow it, the the depth of it, it's just a yeah, what I call it, a nodding Christianity. They'll nod with their heads and say, mm. "Yeah, Amen, brother, Amen." But they're not changed. But this is transformative when the Scripture gets a hold of their heart and they go, "Oh my goodness, my culture is wrong in this area. This this area of worship that I've had is wrong. I should not be doing this." And wow. I think that is, that's, that's the power of it to me. Yeah, that, that, that's an amazing story to, to think about what God can do when, when you weren't really even necessarily headed that direction. You were just sharing the story and then asking some questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, often like that. That's so, the fun part about it. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, being on a trip where you're focused in ministry on this kind of thing, you know, you're bringing the word of God, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work. But I suspect that you also have to be full. You have to, you can't minister from a place of complete emptiness. You have to be full of God, I would suspect. How are you able to do that with all the rigors of travel and all the different pieces that go into that? I have... It's the, it's the digital side of things again a little bit again, but I have certain I have certain things that ping at me and appear on my screens. You know, pray for such and such. I have the, I use this app that that helps me to remember and puts in prayer requests and, and keep updating it and mm. so on. And I use that, and it also has this ability to notify me. And I have it set to basically notify me with certain things at certain times in the day that kind of go. That, that move. So if, if I'm even tra- you know changing time zone, it automatically changes on my phone. So it automatically changes when the notifications happen to the right time during the day when I'm you know in that country too. So it never happens in the middle of the night sort of thing. Mm. It, it adjusts itself. So uh, that side of thing. But also I, I you know part of the the productivity side of thing is just realizing hey the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is not check email and not check Facebook. The first thing that, that's yeah, I'm not going to do yeah. that. I'm not going to do it in bed, even if the thing buzzes at me. I'm just gonna. I'm ignoring it until I I want to. I want to have my time alone with God before I have it with people, you know. And that to me is just a particular plan. One guy, a friend of mine, a team leader of mine, he's from Switzerland. With the year was 1978. We went across the Sahara in a in a in a, a jeep. And we were going across, and when we got to a certain town, you know, we had a, it was the first night actually on the trip. And he said, he said, you know, guys, I, I'm, I would like to be on that in that chair tomorrow morning. You know, if you, if you need me, I'm going to be over there, but please, you know, not before such and such a time. And what he said to me was, he said, Brian, I, I, before I go to bed at night, if I'm in a place that is foreign to me, I will look for where I'm going to go in the morning to get alone with God mm. before I go to bed. So first thing in the morning, I get up and go to that place. And that's something that I've kind of put into my life that I live out today. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking around when I come to somebody's house, I go, okay, where can I go? And also I do, I get up, people don't believe I sleep because <laughs> <laughs> I, I get up really early and I go to bed really late. 
uh, some people go to bed late, then they, they they come down in the morning and I'm sitting in the same chair and they go, did you go to sleep? Did you even go to bed? You know. But a part of it is, is I also have this specific thing where I aim. Okay, I, I know if I'm going to meet with God, I need to go here to get alone. I need to go here to be quiet, to have that still time. And that's that's pretty much essential for me. And there are times on the trips where that is, you know, is interrupted and certain things happen. And that, you know, I don't feel guilty then upon myself or or beat myself up. I didn't get my time with the Lord when I should have had it. No, I'm not going to go there. But yes, that that to me is getting that time intentionally the night before thinking where I'm going to have it. And also including a time when I'm journaling. I try to journal at the end of the day. Before going to bed, sometimes I'm absolutely exhausted, and so it doesn't happen. But then I'll do it, you know, in the morning, even as a part of my quiet time. But that journaling is also processing, thinking through what's happened, or just giving thanks to God for what He did the day before. So many things happen in one day on these trips that's just stunning. I mean, people when they they read some of my diary stuff, they go, "Oh my goodness, so much happened on the trip." I'm going, "That is normal." Mm. I mean, God is just working. And so I need to stop and write it down. Otherwise, I'll forget it or I won't give him thanks for it. I won't realize what he, the, the, the magnitude with which he's answered prayer. So that to me, journaling is a real important time, too. Wow. You mentioned an, an app that you use to track your prayers. I'm wondering, are you able to share with us what, what that app is? Yes. It's actually one I'm not totally happy with. Okay. But uh, I, I'll put it that way because I'm actually waiting. And I mean, I'll put a plug out here for him. The, the prayer app, this is, it's not, it's not, it doesn't exist right now. The prayer app by One Sheep. <laughs> if you dial, if you actually will go to Google and type in One Sheep, as in all one word, O N E, sheep, and then space the prayer app and search for it, you will come up with a project that they're trying to bring about that I think will be one of the most revolutionary things for missionaries and also for those who send and support them. It's super, super ministry. Basically, they're trying to get the funding for it right now. It's going to be something that gives you live ways of communicating with people on the field, from the field, back home, sending notifications and when people they can respond to you within the app in a in a very how would I call it in a in a secure way you know responding hey I'm on it I'm praying or hey I got this word very powerful I'm looking at it here actually it's called if you go to one sheep dot org forward slash prayer app uh, so that's one sheep dot org forward slash prayer app that that will bring up the process the, the project that's the one that i'm really hoping will soon be available i'm always at them hey guys how's it's going and they, they haven't got it sorted yet but the one i'm using is basically it's called it's called echo i'm just looking it up here just to make absolutely sure that i'm giving you the right name because i use it so much i don't even notice the name anymore but basically that is that is something that i use to just put in there to get basically to put in my prayer requests and then to to answer, but it's not a it's not a social media thing, so it doesn't it doesn't you can't share out from it in the way that you can mm-hmm. with the with the the other one. I'm just looking up. Sorry, it's taking me a moment here. Here it is. Uh, yes, it's called Echo. Okay. E C H E C H O, and that basically it's it's a very it, it sits on my my uh, I use it on my iPad, which is where I also do my 
devotions through version. Okay. So, yeah, that's it. Well, great. Well, and, and I'll make sure to have those linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Brian Thompson, and then the number two. Now, Brian, we're, we're just about to, to the end of the time that we were scheduled, and I'm wondering, how can we best pray for you? Yeah, I think that basically it's, it's the pressure of life with mm. regards to the tremendous demand that there is for workshops I think being able to clearly hear the Lord being wise about the decisions and the planning of the of the workshops. I mean, right now I'm planning workshops a year ahead of time. I do them about, wow. I do at least one trip a month. And sometimes those trips involve two countries or several workshops. Like we're going, we're leaving again on Wednesday. I got back on Saturday. I'm leaving on Wednesday with my wife and we're going to Guatemala and we're doing two trainings there. So those, uh, just having wisdom on on that, on the decision-making. And it's, it's hard to do because you're talking about some people, like when I'm working, trying to organize some people in, in South America, they're not used to dealing with more than like a couple of weeks out. And I'm talking about a year ahead. So it's just, you know, learning to, to know, okay, Lord, this is, yeah. And he's been very faithful. He's really been help, been helping, and, and and his hand has been on it so powerfully in, in the in the, the planning. But knowing how to plan those things, and also just my wife's you know health condition, I think that's one of the, the, the big thing is that she really wants to to help and be with me and do things uh, you know to, and so forth and and be involved. But health, her health issues have have really limited that. So we've had to balance that and that's why i'm saying knowing wisdom and when i have to think a year ahead you 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 just never what's gonna what's gonna be happening a year from now so just knowing his his direction is is really being hand really important and also just that we would understand and see him really give optimum health to my wife that she would come to that place of, of having that optimum health and also for our children Three of them have been involved in in missions since they were tiny. We they were all born on the mission field. Three girls, they're now you know twenty five, twenty four, and twenty, and you know they're their their own adults. They're all actually currently living with us here at home, and mm. and we just we're we're hungry to see them just be passionate and on fire for Jesus. And you know, being parents and being the kind of people we are, they're they're never enough of that you know (laughs) and yet we're really yearning for them to 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 really lay their lives down for the maximum for for the lord that that they would you know give all to him in every way so we're just burdened for family as well wow that that's that's powerful and for those of you that are listening i would like to encourage you whenever you're listening to this just take a minute to pause this and to to go ahead and pray for brian with the the various needs that he lifted up i know if you're like me it's really easy to think oh i'll pray for him you know when i go to bed tonight along with the other people i pray for but i can speak from experience that it is really easy to forget the specifics that you were thinking about right now so i'd like to encourage you to do that brian i i do want to just say a huge thank you to you. It's always a a pleasure to talk to you. This has been a delightful conversation. I've really appreciated it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Brian, for inviting me. And I I too have always enjoyed chatting with you. And I love what you're doing. I love the the shows. I love hearing 
from, and, and connecting in with them in different parts of the world, uh, hearing from different people, uh, even friends like Brian Hogan that you've had on there, uh, yeah. friends of mine. I just, I just, I, I really appreciate it. So God bless you for what you're doing. I, I appreciate what you're doing for the missions community too, and, and for the body of Christ as regards missions. Thank you. Well, thank you. I don't know about you, but I was just so jazzed to hear that Brian is into productivity and making the most of the resources that he has. We were chatting after the interview finished, and he mentioned that if you are interested in knowing more about some of the tools or the tricks that he uses, maybe the stuff that he put together for that particular presentation, that he would love to make that stuff available for you. If you're interested in that, shoot an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com, and I will connect you with him so that you can get that information. I think that might be something incredibly valuable for people as they think about ministry and life and just making the most of the resources that God has given them. I mentioned that I had a book recommendation. I'm going to share that with you right now. You can find it at missionalaudio.com. This is a book called Seeking Refuge on the Shores of the Global Refugee Crisis. This is a book that was recommended by one of the guests of the show, and it's listed on missionalaudio.com. It might be something that's worth checking out with all of the things that are going on, all of the various pieces of propaganda and all of the opinions and all of those things. It might be good just as a foundation to find out more about what's going on with that. If you visit missionalaudio.com, you'll find a link to that particular book, and you can also find the link to that in the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash Thompson 2 There you'll also find links to some of the other resources that we discussed during today's show. Next week, make sure that you come back. We'll be hearing from Stephen Hamilton. He's the outreach pastor at Bowdown Church, and he has some things to share with us about his experiences with short-term missions. I'd like to extend my thanks to Brian for joining us today and also to Jeff and Gabby for the work that they do to help put this show together. Make sure that you come back next week. And if you're interested in catching that and not having to remember to come back, subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. It, the, the next one will automatically be delivered to your favorite podcast apps. You can listen wherever you are on the go or sitting still, whichever you prefer. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please email those to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you to make sure that there are things that, you know, if there are things that I can do to make the show better, to make it serve your needs better, or to perhaps better glorify God through the show, I would love to hear that. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. One last time, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate that you took the time to do this, and I hope that it ministers to you and that it's valuable enough that you're able to share it with somebody else so they can also be encouraged challenged and inspired. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.